Welcome to The Breadwinners, the podcast about the never-ending hustle and its impact on all aspects of our lives. From our financial life, to our relationships, to our kids, to our health, we're interested in what it takes to keep it all going. This podcast is about women, working, money, and family. And in every episode, we will consider the research and share our takes on what we're learning every day about breadwinning. And we'll ask you to share your breadwinning story. Each week, I'm joined by Jennifer Owens. She writes about working, wellness, and women, and founded the Working Mother Research Institute. And I'm joined by Raquel Ellison. She is an executive coach and management consultant who works with companies big and small to design workplace policies that work for all employees. So I don't even have a joke about this because it's just not funny. Uh, you were going to do my, gonna... my Sharona, like my Corona. <laughs> <laughs> It's not funny. It's not funny. So here we are. Yes. So we're here to talk about uh, with the coronavirus, it's showing, you know, of course, the the needs we have as a nation and in particular uh, areas, not only just health, but also in working in the support services we need and all the like. And, and the two things that impact what we talk about every week, I think, are paid sick day and flexible work. and you know, the call for paid sick leave immediately comes up again because we have, uh, you know, health officials and we have our government officials. We have everyone saying, hey, stay home, you know, especially if you're not feeling well, stay home. And then with flexible work, it's everybody stay home. So I thought it'd be a good thing to start today with a recap of where we are with both. So I thought we'd start with paid sick leave because it's no joke how few of us have it. Um, so let's start with it. So right now, we, yeah, it's really, it's shocking how few American workers have access to it. So right now the experts are telling people, right, as we said, stay home if you're sick. Um, but you know, many people can't do that without losing a paycheck. Uh, that's why paid sick days are such a critical part of this response, which is a quote from uh, Senator Patty Murray from a Democrat from Washington. One in four workers have no paid sick days. Um, in the U.S., businesses can choose to voluntarily extend paid sick days to workers, but many businesses in the service, restaurant, hospitality, and care industries have chosen not to do so. The CDC reports that one in five food service workers, the majority of whom have no access to paid sick leave, have to come into work while sick with, sorry, everybody, but, you know, stomach who are either vomiting or have diarrhea, they, they have to come in. Um, so there's there's a very, very clear economic case, health case, and humanitarian case. I mean, this is like, this is inhumane to, to have people come in. It's not new either. This is not like, oh my gosh, we just realized that um, presenteeism, which is the word that, you know, yeah. the people in our space love to use, which says, I'm feeling sick and I still show up because I have to, maybe because I want to, there's always that small part, but because I have to, because I have no choice. It's either... I stay home uh, with my illness or I get paid or I even keep my job, you know? So this is not new news, but the, the vastness of this situation really is driving home how important it is that combined with no health insurance. So, you know, like you can't stay home and you don't have health insurance. So have at it people. As with a lot of the movement in work life, uh, areas and workplace benefits and policies, 
the action that's coming at the government mm-hmm. level is coming at the city and state because the, the feds aren't moving on any of this stuff. So do you have a sense of what's happening at the state level, uh, the city level, that sort well, of thing? Well, off the top of my head, no. I mean, some states are way ahead of this. Um, New Jersey, California, uh, Oh my God, I could, Rhode Island. Um, yeah. Well, New York City, New York City yes, has passed which a I was sick leave, involved right? with um, doing some focus groups with businesses around that. And it, yeah, it's really? a very comprehensive leave policy. It's, it has a wonderful um, structure. It's open to covering people in all different types of life situations. Sometimes um, when I needed to take sick, well, family leave in Massachusetts, um, before the new bill was put into place, they said, well, it's very different if you're not taking it for yourself. Um, you have very different benefits if you are, if you're not taking it for yourself. And, Interesting. and, uh, and that was about to change come, come January, but, but it's such a weird, you know, it's such a, it's such so odd that like you can only do that for yourself. But in New York, um, my point is that they it, it's much more inclusive of of different family members and different family structures. Because I think that's an important part of this. If, right now, you know, this story is going to last a very long time. So we'll have lots of opportunities to talk about it as a nation, as a globe. But uh, that paid sick days are not just about you feeling sick, which is c- kind of how I hear the conversation right now. But it's yeah. about caregiving yeah. as well, that we're going to need to be home for the people who are sick in our lives for the, you know, our elderly parents who need things delivered to them and need care. And um, it's, yeah. So these much like with parental leave, it has to be for everyone, you know, it family leave. It needs to, the words need to be bigger. The, the parameters need to be bigger. And it's true. At at working mother, we would always be talking about paid family leave. We'd always tack on paid sick days as it 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 kind of always are you can only fight so many fronts you know say um we actually have 12 states who are jumping into this territory which i which i had forgotten for a moment but but yeah i mean but that's you know we have 50 so there's a whole bunch not stepped into this space yeah Yes. And, and, you know, to be clear, the whole talk about this is not only just because you're feeling sick yourself or you have to care for someone, but that it's a community need. Like, as we're seeing with this virus, people cross paths with someone. And so, and that's how it spreads. So this whole thing about what they say, flattening the curve and, you know, keeping it contained, all the self-quarantine business, um, it's not just, it's, you know, it's the whole concept of paid sick days is not just the individual. It, it really ripples out really fast. And it's how it impacts, you know, we talk a lot about the elderly. It's been interesting to see people talking about, uh, like, cancer survivors who are going in through their treatment and how do you balance, like, going into a hospital for, say, radiation and, and not and making these choices. But it is a choice to be thinking about with those who have weakened immune systems. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, you know, it was something I didn't even think about. And then a mutual friend of ours, we were talking about, you know, we were talking about this epidemic, maybe um, this pandemic, I should say a couple weeks ago. And she said, you know, I, I'm really not going to be able to leave the house at all. And I said, why are you, you know, 
And she said, well, because I have multiple sclerosis, like I, I can't, my body can't fight this off. Even if I'm completely, you know, able to work and, and do everything else that yeah. I need, like I, I cannot be exposed to this. Um, it's a bridge too far. It right. is. It's dangerous. And so that's interesting. Look, it's not even something that, you know, that people think about when they're thinking about paid sec- sick leave, because technically she's not sick now. Right. Um, it's not a now thing. It's a future thing. You know, future it's thing. Yeah. Right. So, well, so there has been a sick leave bill. I feel, you know, like, like I know for sure with FMLA, Family Medical Leave Act, when it was passed 23, 24 years ago as an unpaid program, every year since then, they've done two things. They, they go for it for as a paid program and they go, uh, to, to broaden the impact to broaden those who are covered by the unpaid program. It's like, because, you know, we know, you and I know that FMLA started and it, it only covers, I think right now it's 40% of workers have actually have access to FMLA, let alone paid leave. So with sick leave, uh, uh, Senator Murray and then Senator and uh, Representative Rosa DeLauro of Connecticut have been, they come back year after year, session, Congress session after Congress session with their paid sick leave day bill and let's say it says that uh with the coronavirus they introduced a bill that would require employers of any size to offer paid sick day because before they had also set parameters that said well you need to have 15 or more employees and they give it an additional 14 days as a in a public health emergency and didn't that just get shot down i don't think it made it out of committee yeah it got shot down it got shut down i don't get it no i don't get it either and Rosa DeLora, by the way, having yes. met her, she's such a powerhouse. She's such an amazing, amazing woman. I mean, it's not like people, you know, people are, there's no, they're bringing the strength of, of lines to try to fight this fight over and over and over again. And it's insane that we're here and we're not able to pass this. So according to this stat you were sharing with me from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, so mm-hmm. 33.6 million people do not have paid sick leave. Like we talk about like one in four and all that, but 33.6 million. So we are allowed to round up when it passes 0.5. So that's 34 million. That's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. I mean, it's, you know, that same, so in a related survey, the national compensation survey found that um, for civilian workers paid sick leave, um, that's kind of, much more widely given at the upper ends of the wage distribution becomes scarcer and scarcer the less you make. So 92% of workers in the top quarter of earnings, so our hourly wage is more than like $32, um, mm-hmm. have access to some form of paid leave versus only 51% of the workers earning wages in the lowest quarter, so under $13.80. So um, and among the lowest earning tenth, those who have wages that are ten eighty an hour or less, only thirty one percent of them have paid sick. And you know, just looking at these numbers, or even just thinking about these numbers on a broad scale, I mean, it is it's shocking. It is because it, it's you know it the one in four number for having access to paid leave is shocking enough. And then yeah. when you look at it, you're like, well, who's in that one? It's, it's like another version of a 1% or something that it's, it's very uh, skewed. It really is an equity issue. And it's, geez, Louise, it's the ones 
the folks that when we're going to the grocery store and they're doing the bagging as a former bagger, thank you very much, um, and are making minimum wage and the like, those are just the ones that do not have uh, paid sick leave. You know, the people you need in this crisis to get a whole lot of the services done are mm-hmm. the ones who don't have access to sick leave. And, you know, and, and that's, You can have a little bit of that. Well, that sucks for them. Jeez. But it sucks for all of us because if they're sick, they're showing up to work. And with them, we're showing up to work. It's just just continuous. So, yeah. And we're also talking about, you know, I think we think, I mean, many of these people are breadwinners for their families, right? So, I mean, they're going because they have to continue, as we know, as breadwinners, I have to continue the hustle. Um, But at what literal, you know, financial and physical cost. Like, like it's just right. to them and to, to everyone else. It's, it's, yeah. It's a, it's a serious, it's, it's not a juggle. It's a, you know, it's a weighing, it's a constant weighing of, you know, well, do I feel sick enough to stay home and I can't yeah. get paid? I, I think about this a lot. I've seen a lot popping up about the gig economy because, you know, you, you, for a long time, and I working with consultants now, and uh, for a long time, my husband worked as a permalancer. Um, you don't work, you don't get paid. So I'd also say as it ripples up, because that, those were middle class jobs that I have and he had, and that if he didn't get paid, we immediately felt it. And so it would have been a really hard choice with him because he was going into an office as a don't work, don't get paid kind of worker. I'm working from home, yeah. so I I can hide from it a bit. It's a little easier this time around. But you with the hurricane, uh, you know, any anything that you know, or or blizzards or the like, it was immediately the the work closes, and and I think you're going to see a lot of this now, uh, both through. I don't want to be out in the society right now. I want to be you know home mm-hmm. and avoiding large crowds. And uh, also because I'm sick or I, or my company shut down. I mean, yeah. how many people are we seeing now, which is a whole other question, which is the second half of our conversation is, wow, how many companies are going full on uh, work from home, telecommuting in a heartbeat, like from Monday yep. to Wednesday, yep. completely flipped. And the companies that were prepared as Okay, as someone you know who yeah. founded National Flex Day eight years ago, yes, he did. saying, "Hey, it's the second uh, Tuesday in October, so let's all get together and, and celebrate this year." <laughs> um, it's October is Work and Family Month, so that's why I put it for the second Tuesday. You know, as something new to talk about in National Work and Family Month. But as someone who's been talking about flexible work, it was always about. Um, It was about uh, advancement and keeping people in the workplace, certainly. It was about um, the juggle, and it's about all those things. But the topic of national disasters, natural and national disasters, were always part of it. And the companies, you know, it was like, seriously, people, you got to be ready for something. You don't know what it's going to be, but you got to be ready. Right. And the companies that ignored that. I think they're ignoring it at their peril now. For sure. Right? For sure. Yeah. I mean, as somebody, you know, I think we've discussed this before on the podcast, but I worked flexibly for a very long time and I I still do work flexibly in my job, but I was working independently. Um, What would you you say about Brett? Permalance? 
Permalance. Yeah, he worked. Yeah, he, you know, no benefits and pay. Uh, but he went in, uh, it was in an ad agency and he worked mm-hmm. almost 10 years. That way. Wow. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I just was, I was, I want to revisit that term for a listener. But yeah, <laughs> but for consideration, maybe that will have him come and talk about life as a permalancer. Would but. love it. Would love it, Brett. So we, you know, so I had always used Slack. I use online project management tools. I, you know, very, that was very much my speed having worked with people across the country and, and even across the world. Um, I was very comfortable with that. Then when I went into an, organization where there wasn't so much of an appetite for these tech tools, um, even though many of us were working flexibly, it, it wasn't that it wasn't an appetite. It just was very hard to get everybody on board. And organizationally, there was no mandate to say, you have to all use this, you know, not only these different platforms, but you have to really figure out a way to manage flexibly. So it, it's really interesting because now... Um, you know, earlier today I was on a call with a Zoom call with uh, like 175 people. Um, That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. And like none of us had ever done that before. Some of us had done it for smaller group meetings. I mean, I've definitely led webinars of groups, but not not in this job. But, you know, we had never as a as a department that I work in, um, I'm a very small team, but my larger department, we had never done that. Um, when it was fascinating, it was kind of like every <laughs> I was hearing people say, "It's pretty cool. This is cool." And you know, people were people. It was you know, it was interesting because you could all. One of the things that you and I know about Flex is it opens up a kind of level of communication and transparency that that sometimes is missing, even if you're sitting next to somebody all day. Right. Right. I mean, there's a there's a business case for this on so many levels, but you could even hear in this first conversation that we were all in virtually that people were even starting to relate to each other differently. Um, you know, while we were going through this this kind of unique experience of all being online, um, it would be interesting to see that. So here's the big question: Do you think so? So there's a, there's a stat that. Um, Work Human published that said a third of the U.S. Uh, employees work remotely, which, you know, what does that mean? Does that mean all the time, sometime, whatever? But so it's certainly a lot better now than 10 years ago when, you know, I was talking about all this stuff initially. Uh, and then, but you hear so many employees say this, they value this benefit. I I've known many people and you probably have two who didn't want to lose it. Didn't want to move jobs because they valued the flexibility they'd either earned or scraped together in in the, you know, it's super important. Yeah. I mean, and for, you know, I think some of the stats about the millennial workforce, I mean, they, they wouldn't take a job if it didn't offer some kind of flexibility. It's a huge it's a huge, huge pull. Um, and I think that's becoming much more standard across across the board. Um, and yet, this is brand new for a lot, still brand new for a lot of different employers. Uh, and especially, and also on the scale, because there's, I think a lot of people have had, you know, the experience of having a couple of employees that do it. or And, you know, years ago, hopefully it's gotten better, where the one, you know, that this is why I did National Flex Day in the first place was that there would be the you get net you get flexible work but don't talk it up don't say it you know everybody will want it then well now 
everybody needs to do it. They're shutting down whole offices. Mm-hmm. I, we're seeing it across the way. People have never worked from home or working from home. And my question to you, Osage One, is do you think there'll be a lasting impact from this for flexible work? I I sure as heck hope so. I mean, one of the things that I, when I think about, you know, one of the things we talk about is is formal versus informal flex. We've talked about that um, in the past, which is like, what is, you know, essentially, listeners, it's, hey, I'm going to work from home this morning, as opposed to I filled out a form where I say every Tuesday morning, I'm going to work from home. And then, you know, it and uh, much more kind of baked in um, from an HR perspective. Kind of inflexible, flexible work. Right, right. Right. Um, But what I, so, so those two words come to mind when we're thinking about this now, because I think for a lot of companies, the flexibility, even if it was formally done on paper, the strategies for how to communicate well, the tools to use, how to be able to get the work done. I think for many people, maybe not informal. It's, yeah. I mean, I think it's been informal. It's been more ad hoc, right? I'll send you an email. I'll be on my phone. You know, I don't really like Zoom or I don't really like (laughs) Slack, but like I'll kind of whatever. I'll be on it sometimes. We're not in that. This is going to give us an opportunity, which I hope will, um, will take hold for a lot of people, um, for a lot of companies, for a lot of people where we can say, you know, now we really have a system for navigating flexibility. We're not just doing it. We, we now, as you know, we're recognizing that as teams, you know, there, I mean, there's been this research that you and I have known about forever about this is how you lead a virtual team. This is how right. you communicate virtually. And, um, and it's so interesting. Actually, I have a little anecdote. So before this happened, like a few weeks ago, I had a consulting engagement. Um, and one of the participants was in Africa. Um, and was, and everybody else was in the same place. And so we were like having this conversation where I was trying to explain to the client, you know, this is how I want this person on video. We've got a, you know, we've got a structure the call this way. And it was like, nobody, I mean, the meeting overall went well, but it was really hard to kind of drive the point home of like, as you know, to communicate effectively as a cohesive team, we need to put certain protocols in place, whether you're sitting in you know, the central office or not. And what I, what I'm curious to, to, you know, would be interesting to see is if I revisited that team, right? Like in a, which I might, which I will, um, in a month or so, you know, will they be much more adapted to that if the same thing happened and someone was, you know, out, I mean, no one will mm-hmm. be in the office for a long time, but, um, you know, if somebody's out of the country or, or not present, maybe they will have, you know, some of these processes they've kind of had to, had to dive into head first and try to figure out. So, so to answer your question, I do think and hope this is going to make a big difference. And I was talking this week um, to our mutual friend, Callie Yost, who's been uh, an expert on workplace flexibility. I have to say about Callie, like it was, uh, I got into this work after background in organizational psychology. I'd done this study um, of 637 organizations and their work life policies and I didn't really get it. Like I didn't really get why work life was uh, was, mm-hmm. was yep. so important. But then I started reading Callie's work, and then you know, long story short, here I am. Like she, she was an inspiration to me in terms of getting into this field and this line of work and helping me understand why flexibility has a business case. It's not just about you know individual individual flexibility. It's about kind of right. how we function 
overall. And culture so, and the like, yeah. So having talked to her this week, she's very much, you know, she's very optimistic about how, you know, obviously this is terrifying pandemic, but, right. but how to, you know, this is an opportunity um, in, in the midst of this crisis for people to learn very quickly, become fluent in a different method of working. Um, right. so I, I think, you know, I think that's, that's a really important piece to keep in mind. Now, does she talk about how to make that so? Cause I think that, you know, we all slide back into bad habits and a bad Absolutely. habit is an inflexible workplace. So Absolutely. How, how can we make the case? Well, uh, <laughs> it's interesting. So this was coming up on my 200 person, uh, Zoom, whatever, a 175 Zoom call, we were talking about how are we going to check in? They're actually, you know, as as reluctant or as, as kind of sudden this, this change might have been for people in my organization, there is now a method, um, which I think is right, which Callie endorses, which is like, let's, let's track things, right? Let's measure our performance so we can figure out how this is working. Because, you know, we, as you and I are talking, Jennifer, it's, it's the beginning of the of the national emergency, national state of emergency, where who knows how long we'll be doing this, but we do need to, as we go through week by week, start tracking how, how is our technology working? How are we, you know, how are we communicating? Do we have, um, what worked, what didn't work and why? So Callie actually had an, had a, uh, an article in Harvard business review called what's your company's emergency remote work plan. And so, you know, she says that when we get to the other side of this, people are going to say, hey, that worked pretty well. Why don't we do this all the time? Right. Right. You know, so so certain pieces of the work, it might not be all of the pieces, but certain pieces of the work um, might, you know, permanently become flexible. Um, you know, so she talked about maybe, you know, you cut business travel by 25 percent and substitute video conferencing. Um you know, you determine that 80% of the meetings that you had were equally as effective virtually. So, you know, so you reduce travel. I mean, as a commuter right now, if we were able to identify, you know, a lot, you know, I definitely feel there's a, it's important for me to be in person, but if we were able to operate, you know, for my clients as a management consultant, you, you do want to be on site, but, but, you know, to figure out how some of this planning process could be done more remotely without, you know, without, doing as much commuting. Who knows? It might be possible. On that very good note from Callie, and thank you, Callie, for the work that you do in this area, because it is it is much appreciated and much always needed. So thank Absolutely. you. But uh, And thank you for everyone for joining us on The Breadwinners today. Uh, whether you're a chance, a choice breadwinner, whether you're in the office, are you working from <laughs> home? We would love to hear about it. I, we hope you enjoyed the time you spent with us and share your story with us at thebreadwinnerspodcast.com. How you make it at work? We'd love to know. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast and to rate and review it. Let us know what you think about the breadwinners. Help us tell the stories that mean the most to you. And until next week, keep hustling. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.